0: Bobby Hurley up the floor with Leitner. They throw it to the left of the floor. Leitner catches. Comes down. Dribbles. Shoots. Score! and welcome to another 2.1 Seconds to Madness, your college basketball podcast. I am Russell Hainline, joined, as always, and for one of the last times this season, I guess until we talk about the NBA draft, k from the Firestarter crew. How's it going, KB?
1: What's up, bro? How
0: Oh, can't complain. Uh, I mean, I guess I could complain uh, about the way Duke's season ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the ideal ending that uh, that I was searching for, but... Uh, it was still an exciting season, nevertheless, a great tournament. Uh, one of the better tournaments in recent memory, honestly. Um, so yeah, uh, I, guess, I guess I can't complain at the end of the day. Uh, let's talk about the tournament just to start with. Uh, we didn't do any uh, sort of interstitial episodes in between rounds. I just wanted to ask you, what are the things that when you think back upon this tournament that you'll remember in, in the grand scheme of things?
1: Um, I dally, the highlight for me was watching UMBC be the first 16 seed to be the one. Um, you know, you honestly felt like you were watching history. Uh, for sure. You know, it was one of those things that, you know, people have said for years, like, eventually it's going to happen. And I don't know if I really believe that. I, I, I guess, you know, it's not it's really... It's one of those all...
0: things, your brain tells you it's possible, but, like, yeah. your heart tells you it's just not going to happen.
1: Yeah, but if it was going to be a one seed that fault That fell. It was going to be a team like Virginia, and um, you know I didn't pick UNBC to win this game. I'm not going to sit up and say like I saw this coming, but again. But you did um, have
0: them losing in the second round. I
1: did, I did, and and I and you know I, I spoke while I wasn't high on Virginia um, a lot this season. So for it to happen again, I was surprised. I can't sit up and say I wasn't surprised, but. Um, You know, it was one of those things, like, it wasn't the fact that they lost on a last-second shot or whatever. They got their ass whooped.
0: Right. That's what I was going to say. Like, you must have been surprised by the nature of the ass-kicking. You know what I mean? Like, them losing, like, okay, like, it would still be surprising, but, like, that could happen. Like, I fully anticipated that if I was ever going to see a 16 beat a 1, it was going to be a last-second thing or, like, Mm -hmm. a single-digit affair, you know, that sort of thing. And just, I mean, like... I was trying to think of the last game, and and I hate to bring up bad memories, but, I mean, like, I feel like Florida Gulf Coast against Georgetown or something like that where, like, where just the confidence from the lower seed just from beginning to end never let up. There was never a moment, like, in the second half where you were like, oh, Virginia's making the run here. Right. Oh, my God. You know, like – It just, they kept running, they kept slamming the hammer over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. and you could just see, like, I was really struck by the fact that it seemed like Tony Bennett was very calm up until maybe, like, four minutes left, and that's when they started using the pressure defense and changing everything all of a sudden, but it was too late by that point, like like, and instead of instead of it seeming like a really savvy move, you know, a savvy sort of chess play by a coach, it seemed like full blown panic. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like, oh my God, oh my god, this we're gonna is really be happening. this team to lose. Yeah. This is yeah. happening right now. Right. Like I don't know I don't know why, especially after like let's say at the under sixteen of the second half, when they were still down double figures, I don't know how at that point they don't say, well, let's just like throw a, like a different look or two, you know, like not even not even the whole game, just like show them a different look, like just in spurts, keep them on their toes, because right they were so comfortable in the pack line, just shooting over it. Uh, Lyles was unbelievable. Uh, oh, what was uh, what's the little guy's name? Yeah, Doria guard, is that his name? Yeah, yeah, something yeah, yeah something, like something like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, again, very comfortable dribbling in and around uh, Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy and them. I. I just couldn't believe they didn't make a change until it was too late. Um, it screamed arrogance, in my opinion. mm mm-hmm. um, And I, it'll be a valuable lesson for him. I don't think that he'll make that mistake again.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a hell of a way to, to go out of the tournament. Um, and, a, like I said, a very hard lesson to learn, especially the way he learned it. But um, right. you think that he will be a much better coach, you know, going forward and – you know, maybe he'll sure. wait as late as he did to make those disciples adjustments that he did make. But um Right. This again, is a
0: look-in-the-mirror loss for absolutely, sure. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And, um, you know, again, it just wasn't the fact that they lost, but the fact that it was just an ass kicking. Yeah, it know? was destruction
0: yeah. beginning to end. They were outclassed. Yeah, They were outclassed by the other team. Yep. It honestly looked like, you know, Lyles. I don't know whether Lyles is a pro. Like, probably not. You know what I mean? Like, he's probably, like, a Euro uh, player, you know. Like, he, mm-hmm. he could be a professional basketball player. Mm-hmm. But Virginia made him look like a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it was unbelievable. You know how many people um, hit me
1: up that night asking me, like, dude, where the hell has he been? Do you know anything about him? I know he went to DeMatha. Like, did he play there? I'm right. like, yeah, he was a, you know, a three-star, four-star guy. He went to VCU, didn't really play a whole lot, then transferred around a little bit, so he finally came back home and found a home. But... You know, that's the thing about it. Like, he's 22 years old, so it's not like, right. you know, he's a kid. Like, he's a young adult. And, yeah. you know, with a lot of confidence. He, you know, he got a, a lot bigger because he was very slight in high school. But he always had game. And you sure. see. Like, yeah, you know, he, you know, he just developed physically. And, you know, he, he's the type of kid that can take over a game like that. And, yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely when you're looking for those upsets, too, you're looking for – Teams that have a high major guy or, or a higher major guy that transferred down, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously that goes to another of the things that I'm sure we will both take away from this, which was Loyola mm-hmm. and uh, their that was final no four run. Yeah. yeah, with Clayton Custer, uh, again a kid who couldn't get time at uh, at Iowa State, if I recall correctly, because Monte Morris was there, um, and so he transferred. Yeah, uh, what did what did you make of that run and and you know, what do we think about them going forward? What do we think about the coach? What do we think about what, you know, he brought to the table? Obviously, it's a very Catholic school sort of style of play that they that they brought with, you know, a lot of cuts, passing, great ball movement. But, you know, again, they, I was struck by the fact that they made the extra pass better than any team other than Villanova mm-hmm. in the tournament. Like, their passing was second only to Villanova, and we'll talk about Villanova in a bit, but, like, I, do you see Porter Moser uh, leaving, or does he seem like the type of dude who, who will just stick around and try to make Loyola Chicago the new Wichita state of the Missouri Valley?
1: Well, money talks. So, um, at some point, if he keeps on winning a program and a bigger conference is going to come, calling, and... They're going to offer him a couple million dollars per year to come and coach, and I expect he's going to take the job, and no one should be upset at him for doing such. Um, but for now, uh, they look like the type of team that can just dominate that conference year in and year out and make it to the tournament year in and year out and be a threat to go deep into the tournament year in and year out. Um, very well, Coach, like you said, just the ball movement, the way they just go about their business on the floor, you look at them and it's like, you know, this team looks like they belong. Like, they're not out here... You know, fearing the other team. They're not out here, like, looking like maybe you just, you know, hang around for a little bit. And if we it at the end of the game, we can, you know, maybe take a stab at it. You know, they look like off the jump. They look like we're the better team. We're going to win this basketball game. That's kind of how they go about their business. So to see them be as successful as they were in the tournament, and it's not a team that I really fought a lot during the season, but just watching them during the tournament, extremely impressive. Again, this is like how they go about their business. And a very confident bunch. And this is going to do wonders for you would think for their ability to recruit um, sure. moving forward, um, you know, and in a great area for um, high yeah, school I basketball Yeah, I was talent. about to say, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's in the middle of an hour anywhere like you're in Chicago, which puts, you know, arguably puts out more, you know, high major D1 basketball players in any city in America year in and year out. So, you know, they, they're set up. They can do this, you know, for the foreseeable future. And you know, it could become the type of place where it doesn't really matter who the coach is, like, it just kind of keeps on moving. Right. Because they yeah. have, like, they have yeah. a, you know, they have, like, a program philosophy, like, you know, it doesn't really matter who the coach is, you know what you're getting if you're coming to this program. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I it honestly, and this, this sounds like a size, but, like, the fact that their offense looked like it looked like it was running like an NBA offense. Mm. Like the fact that their their extra passes were crisp, all open looks. Uh, everybody cutting. Uh, they weren't taking a lot of bad uh, mid range shots. It was open pass, extra pass, three pointer, or dribble drive finish at the rim with you know a high percentage layup. So yeah, I mean. I I agree. I think they could at least maintain the style. Certainly, Moser, if he's smart, is you know looking at one of his assistants and going like, "All right, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna grab that uh, that bag in a, in a year or two, and this job can be yours." Just you know, sort of uh, take notes on the philosophy, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, and and they're bringing back so many pieces. They're bringing back Towns. They're bringing back Custer. They're bringing back the big uh, like ogre looking dude down low. He was just a freshman, and he was incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, so uh, especially in the Missouri Valley, if you've got like a six ten dude who's like two hundred and seventy pounds with soft hands,
1: I mean, he can he can
0: take you to a one loss record in conference. You, Man, know? you I mean, just him about- al-
1: him alone, and give him another year in a, in a you know in a strength and conditioner program at a, you know, university at that level. You know, sure. maybe shed about 15, 20 pounds, you know, add a little bit of muscle mass. He can be a force in that conference.
0: Just the, the softness of his hands, the fact that any time he touched the ball, and against, like, good defenders, like mm-hmm. good big men defenders.
1: He can he knows they, how to play. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, uh, just soft little moves, you know, mm-hmm. and for for such, like, a big dude. He looked like every – like, I feel like when I was – in Florida anyway, every high school basketball team had, like, that one big white dude who was just there because he was big. Mm -hmm. Not because he could ball or anything, but just he was just, like, a big white dude. And he looked like every one of those guys. Mm -hmm. But, like, this this guy had serious, serious game. So, yeah, and he's just – he'll be a sophomore next year. So, I mean, he's – again, if Moser wants to stick around and try to develop sort of around him, put a lot of just shooters and then just – toss him down into the paint. I mean, like, they, they could definitely run out for a couple of years. Yep. Um, but, again, I, I agree with you. I think any major conference team who needs a guy, especially if, like – I mean, how long is DePaul going to keep, you know, yeah. trotting out their coach? You know what I mean? Like, right. w- why not take a run at him? You know what I mean? Uh, it's it, Brad Underwood is getting better at recruiting at Illinois, but there's still vulnerability there. Chris Collins is not really recruiting the area – at least the high major guys uh, that well at all from Northwestern. So there's a lot of room there to just sort of uh, swipe a couple of guys here and there, and that's mm-hmm. that's really all you need in the Missouri Valley. Um, anything anything else from the tournament that you're going to remember? I, I know those if, are your top two. It's
1: just Villanova entering the realm of elite programs. That's it.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about Villanova in a, in a second. I, I just wanted to throw two things out. Sadly... I'm gonna remember Grayson Allen's shot rimming out. It's it's mm-hmm. that one's gonna stick with me. That's a painful one. It looked like it was in. looked like it was in again. Rimmed out. Just not the way you want it to end. And I know it went to overtime. went a chance. Once Carter fouled out, uh, that was sort of that. And you could sort of see on their face. I feel like when you're the team who your shot is the one that like almost makes it but then like you 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 taste victory and then all of a sudden you don't have it i feel like that energizes your opponent you know what i mean you're like oh man we should be home right now let's go Mm -hmm. let's get this you know what i mean so i i don't know when that happened i i felt like disaster was around the corner and it was um so that was pretty disappointing but on the on the flip side uh unc getting absolutely tossed by texas a and m uh, is also something that is a Duke fan. Uh, I had a lot of fun watching. Uh, I got to see UNC uh, get tossed by Michigan State at PK-80 earlier in the year. Uh, and this was definitely very comparable. Uh, again, I was one of very few people that I know that had UNC losing early like that. Um, I, I was high coming into the year on Texas A&M. So even though they let me down in the next round, I, I'm still very grateful that a Texas A&M team that I remained uh, – optimistic for no reason on all season long delivered at the very end of the year to give me one gratifying victory. So shout out to Texas A&M, Robert Williams, Tyler Davis, DJ Hogue, Admin Gilder. You will not be forgotten in my mind. Uh, But yeah, and then Villanova's epic march. Let's talk about Villanova, you know, historically in the modern era, this team in particular, because they won every game very comfortably uh, where would you rank them in terms of I don't know, teams in the last uh, fifteen to twenty years?
1: Um, they're up there. Um <clears throat> Play for player, you know, I don't think they're as talented as other championship teams I can think of the top of my head. Um meaning like, you know, team you know, guys that went on to be lottery picks, guys that went on to be stars in the NBA. Um but it seemed like each game, someone new stepped up and became the guy. And I think that says a lot about them as a team and really them as a program. Now, like, it doesn't really matter who gets to shine. Um, you don't really look at that team and say, like, okay, this is definitely going to be the guy that takes a shot at the end of the game. Um, because, you know, Villanova needs a big shot. Coming out of a timeout, it could be Jalen Brunson. It could be Mikael Bridges. It could be now Dante DiVincenzo. Right. It could be any the number system. of guys. Yeah, yeah, it's the, exactly. It's the system. So... As a basketball team, they would, you know, again, without even really thinking about it a whole lot, you say over the last 20 years, the last uh, 20 champions, I would put them in my top five just as a team, just for that simple fact that, again, it didn't really matter who it was. They just got it done, and they did it convincingly, game in and game out.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that you could put uh, that, that Tyler Hansborough UNC team up there uh, you could obviously put, especially maybe like that second Florida team, that repeat Florida. Uh, oh sure, team. sure, sure. You know, um, but yeah, I mean they they've got to be in the top four in that in that range of of teams, uh, in my opinion. Um, just the sheer domination, and, and you know, even though they don't have many, you know, like you said, lottery picks. They got the one lottery pick uh, for sure, um, but the fact that they've got at least four guys on the floor at any point. That are are future NBA players. Like there, there's a good argument to be made. I feel like sometimes, especially if you've got a good system in place, where you don't necessarily need um, that guy. If you've got a bunch of guys, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like I, it sort of reminded me a little bit. Obviously, a much higher talent level. This was a this was a better team, unquestionably. But you know, uh, 2010 Duke team. Where again, their formula for winning wasn't complicated. They were going to shoot a lot of threes. The rebounders were going to kick back, and then they were going to they were going to slash some. They were going to defend some. But like ultimately, they're shooting the ball. The guy down low kicks it back out. Everybody else is just spreading, kicking, shooting. You know, uh, and again, that team had like. It's weird to think now that Lance Thomas is the best pro from that team. But, like, it had a bunch of guys uh, where, like, Shire was in the D-League till he got hurt. Nolan Smith was drafted. Singler was drafted. Thomas has worked his way up. Um, you know, obviously, Mason Plumlee was on that team. Miles Plumlee was on that team. You know, so it had just, like, a bunch of dudes who all just played together very, very well. And... This team was like that except crank the talent level up, you know, a, a few notches. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, uh, and I've, I've come around now. I I've, I've trashed Villanova, I think, last year in particular on the fact that Jay Wright has been so three-pointer reliant. Uh, and he was again this year. Now that's starting to feel more like... My brain was behind the times, and Jay Mm -hmm. Wright is ahead of the uh, is ahead of the curve here Mm -hmm. because you know not only is the NBA turning that way as well, but you know why why take other shots? (laughs) You know, just like why? Yeah, there's no reason not to, you know, Uh, especially if you've got four guys. Sometimes in Villanova's case, five guys, all of whom on the floor can pass really well and shoot really well. They weren't a brilliant defensive team, but they were all great shooters, and they were all great passers. And uh, and they all just, like, worked hard. So, I mean, like, if you have that, I mean, that makes it sound deceptively easy, but, like, that's, that's like you said, the system. And that system, you know, is going to continue to yield considerable dividends. I mean, they're bringing in that kid uh, Quinterly next year. Uh, to replace uh, Brunson, presumably. Um, you know, presumably they're going to have back Vincenzo. They could even potentially bring back Spellman. So, I mean, like, that's, that's going to be a top three team already, top five even if they lose Spellman, because they've got pieces in place and they've got a system in place that you know, okay, they're going to win 25 games this way every year. Mm-hmm. And, and props also to Jay Wright, you know, because I looked back, and it was when this streak started, which I think was like five years ago when they started, like, this incredible tear of wins. If you look at what their offense was before and after that switch, before they were getting the majority of their points from the free throw line. They were doing a lot of uh, dribble penetration, drawing a lot of fouls, drawing a lot of contact. They were usually, like, a top 25, sometimes the top team in the country, at scoring from the free throw line not as many uh three point shots certainly not as many points from the three point line and then over the course of literally one year like that first year where it started they went from like being first in the nation in free throw uh rate to first in the nation in like three point percentage they just like flipped it immediately jay wright clearly over that offseason said okay my way is not winning us titles it's getting us knocked out in the second round." Let's recruit shooters, let's work it this way, and he's just been planning to it ever since. And yeah, I mean he's he's brilliant. He was he was definitely ahead of the curve and I and I totally expect to see many other teams in in sort of where Villanova's place was, which was like you said, outside of the elite. I, I firmly expect to see a lot of teams try to emulate exactly what he did, just recruit five shooters, have just all shooters on the floor at all times. And, and work on their passing and, and hope that they can outshoot the opponent. We saw it with Marshall also this year. I mean, mm-hmm. it, that's also not terribly dissimilar to what Dan Dantoni is doing in the mid-level, in the mid-major level. Just threes, 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 threes. Pass, pass, pass. Cut, cut, cut. Threes, threes, threes. So, um, yeah, really, really incredible uh, stuff uh, from them. Uh, follow-up question: Where does Jalen Brunson rank? Among college players in the last, again, say twenty years,
1: he'd be a top ten.
0: I, I mean, it's hard. Yeah, it's
1: hard to argue against two titles. Um, someone yeah. who thinks and a national player the national player the year. would exactly? He swept those. So, um, yeah, he has an incredibly impressive resume. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think if you go back all the way to, you know, even the 90s, I mean, where obviously Christian Leitner is sort of the most accomplished player of the modern era in terms of just accomplishments. And then Hurley and Hill are right up there. If if you start there and then work past it, I mean, you've got guys like, you know, maybe like Joachim Noah. Uh, certainly, like Tyler Hansbrough winning the way that he did, uh, setting the ACC record, National Player of the Year, etc. You got to put him up there as well. But like Jalen Brunson, you could easily make the argument, especially with two rings at his disposal, that he's right up there with all of those guys. I mean, you can make cool. an argument over the past 30 years that he might be in the top five, at least in terms of accomplishment, not in terms of talent. But talent doesn't really matter when you got two rings and a National Player of the Year. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah, really really impressed there. And and I don't really want to dwell on this. This is not something that I put in there, but I know as a as someone who who works with high school athletes and and coaches high school athletes that you might want to at least uh mention something you might have a take on it. The whole mm-hmm. Dante Divincenzo tweet thing. Oh yeah. Uh I was curious as someone who works with high school athletes uh what your take is on this. I expect that I know what your take would be, but Yeah, uh,
1: my thing is and it's something I tell like you know my kids all the time and I'm the guy on the staff that monitors the social media I'm the guy that when we have our you know uh, 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 parents meeting at the beginning of the, of the season we get all the parents in the room with the kids and I address them and tell them you know off the break like you know these are the rules that we have regarding social media if you don't like it this may not be the program for you but it's one of those things where you know as a 14 year old kid, You can't really hold the stuff that he said Then against them now But that type of stuff can follow you So this is the happiest night of his life And he's getting asked about stuff that happened When he was 14 years old But that's the reality that we live in So I tell kids all the time You know, and for parents out there Who may have kids who are in high school By the end of high school If you expect your child to be recruited By high D1 schools Schools actually hire outside um, firms to research kids that they're recruiting, to research their social media going back as far as their uh, eighth grade year. So you can be 18 years old and be held accountable for things that you tweeted, you put on Facebook, things you Instagram when you were 12, 13 years old. Because that's how serious it is for these schools. I mean, if they're putting a $400,000 investment into your child, they want to make sure that that child is going to be an ambassador for their school. So they look at everything. And I've seen kids lose opportunities they never knew they had because of things that they put on their social media. So it's a thing where I'm not trying to squash free speech. It's a thing I'm trying to help you get out of your own way and that's what kids have to understand, but it's hard for them to understand that sometimes, but it's really for their own good, because, I mean, now, employers do the same thing, and I, and I try to relate to parents by saying, oh, it's the same thing when you apply for a job, especially in the D.C. And in the D.C. area, with the federal government being as big as it is, they do extensive background checks on people, and that includes their social media, so it's no difference than you having a background check done on you, the same things will happen. in college is doing background checks on your child to make sure that they really wanna make this investment. So you know it's unfortunate that you know he's getting asked all these questions about how great he is, and all of a sudden somebody asks him about something that he <laughs> tweeted five years ago. But right. that's the reality of it. So yeah, you got to watch that stuff.
0: Yeah, and and like here's what I couldn't believe, right? I mean, you said like first word like that you are the person on the staff that monitors social media, right? Mm-hmm. How does Villanova not have someone whose job it is? is to just do a quick search of like a few key terms on your players' social media accounts mm-hmm you know what I mean like like high schools but my the high school where I taught w- was like a, a nobody high school in terms of like the major sports and they had people do that you know what I mean like how and maybe he grows up in Delaware he's he's balling there okay maybe Delaware isn't used to having to do some stuff like that okay but like Villanova, how how is that not the first conversation you have with a kid when he arrives on campus how is there not someone on that staff who just like maybe just start with the n-word right. <laughs> maybe just like start right. <laughs> twitter search i mean that night when i saw like somebody retweet like one of the things i put in his screen name or his uh, his twitter handle and the n-word got all these results took 20 seconds, not even, Mm -hmm. right? So easy to do. And all it would have taken for him to do, like, he knows if he's the type of kid who was comfortable, you know, like, hanging out with kids who maybe it was cool if he called them the N-word or, like, whatever. Like, he he knew he was that kid, you know what I mean? So, like, at some point they had a conversation and either he chose to ignore it or that conversation... Didn't happen or didn't was not happen. like or or his hand was not held to the fire enough about it right mm-hmm. like but mm-hmm. but there was a huge breakdown there that's that's what I was shocked about, not about the fact that fourteen year old kids say stupid shit on the internet that's <coughs> that's a no brainer, but you yeah. know when i when when I was teaching, I used to go onto Twitter and I would search my name and I would find like one of my students would say like Mr. Hayline's an asshole or whatever and sure. i just and i'd I'd just reply I'd be like. He's also the one grading your test right now or whatever. Right, you know, just right, just like, you know, right. <laughs> like like I was trying to teach a lesson and also have a little bit of fun, but like, mm-hmm. you know, we know even better today than those kids did when I was teaching, you know, sure, like it's sure. it's it's so so painfully obvious. I've done it. I've gone through and scrubbed like my stuff from even things that I think are innocuous, but just like m- might be taken the wrong way right, you know like right. just to be safe and i don't and i don't have anything to lose <laughs> so like dante exactly. has everything to lose
1: right so right. yeah yeah, um, yeah i think it may be one of those things honestly where i would be surprised that they didn't have someone on staff whose job it was to do that but they may have been hired in the last two three four years because you know i i've always been surprised like you know even when i started coaching i would go Um, This is like around that same time, around 2013, 2014, maybe even a little bit earlier uh, when I would go on visits to schools and a lot of schools really went up on social media like to that extent. But over the last two to three years, the same schools I've gone back and you may have the head coach of this, you know, BCS, you know, power five conference team who's addressing, you know, 30 recruits on a junior day. And he'll address everybody by saying, Hey, I'm coach. So-and-so we have a presentation. The first person I'm going to bring up and it's his social media person. Right. And, and, and that's, that's been the change that I've seen over the last two to three years where they fully understand, like, this is something serious. We really need to address this. And Dante may have just, you know, slipped through the cracks because of when he came along. But, um, I don't know, like over really like when his recruitment really started, or the fact that somebody who came on didn't really think to go back that far. But I doubt going forward you will see something like this happen again at Villanova. Yeah, I I'll mean, say that.
0: there's it all they had to do. They didn't even have to read everything. Just like there should just be a list of like 10 to 15 words, <laughs> most of mm-hmm. which are, you know, various derogatory slurs against either uh minorities or against women or against uh gay people transgender you know like just just an easy search of words where Mm -hmm. then you can just you can type it in i could cover everyone on villanova men and women's basketball team before lunch and -hmm. just go through all their stuff you know what i mean so then you just go to them and say like is this a tweet you want to defend you know, right. like, and if they want to fight about it, go, okay. But uh, someone's going to find it one day when you hit a big shot, man. Yeah. It's going to happen.
1: And also, like, something I got to tell parents, like, don't expect somebody else to do this for you. Right. Like, be aware of, like, your kids are on Facebook, your kids are on Instagram, wilding. Right, right. Like, at some point, you, you may want to pay attention to what's going on because it goes on an opportunity. And I know a lot of parents, they put a lot of money into, you know, private trainers and, you know, going all around the country to camps and all that type of stuff like that to make sure their kids get an opportunity because they don't want to pay for college. And they're not even understanding that one of the easiest things you can do is to set up your own dummy Twitter account, own dummy Facebook account, even if you don't want to be right. active on the account just to, like, the only person that you you could follow is your child. Right. It's real imp- It's real simple. Just do it a couple times a day just to monitor, see what they're saying, because it can lose them an opportunity.
0: And I saw, and I also like, here's the other thing that like, that, that burned me a little bit, like not as much, because again, like kids are dumb, you know, like it happens. But, like, I saw a lot of people trying to make excuses for, like, the content. You know what I mean? Like, well, be like, oh, he only used the N-word in a, in a Meek Mill lyric reference. And I was like, nah, I looked up the N-word and his Twitter handle that night. He had a lot of replies where he was just having conversations using it freely. You know, mm. it's, like, some easy stuff to, like – Like, I, I don't think that necessarily because th- – some Sometimes just stick with the kid was stupid and was tweeting stupid stuff. Don't go like, well, I mean, like, this is not, like, that's, like, well, you know, or some people were also saying, you know, like, uh, oh, but he wasn't active on it. And I was like, no, like, he hadn't tweeted in a while, but if you just looked at, like, what his likes were, he was clearly liking things as recently as, like, the week before, you know, the Final Four. He was going through and liking people who were like, DiVincenzo's the truth and whatever, you know, the way that kids do. Which is fine, obviously. But again, just don't cop please for it. He was active mm-hmm. on social media. He knew what type of kid he was. Certainly, probably his family or someone on the Villanova staff should have just taken a morning and done a quick search. It would have been a 15-minute fix. 15 minutes. And the kid never would have had to worry about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Not here to nope. ride on the kid or whatever. And again, it's not really a story I especially care about too much. But in terms of, you know, young people, if there's anybody listening or, or if you're applying for a job and listening to this, just take 20 minutes and search like 10 words that you think you could have tweeted at some point in the past. Just just do it. You'll be happy you did. Uh, let's see. What else is there to talk about? Something more interesting. Coaches. Early coaching changes. Uh, in the off season here, I wanted to start by uh, asking you uh, what your thoughts were in terms of uh, who are the big winners in terms of coaching changes so far this off season.
1: Uh, one of that stands out to me is Pitt getting Jeff Cable. Oh my god! I mean, the names that were getting thrown around, like a, at one point, like wasn't like a was it a like credible rumor? Like I, I, some of the names they were throwing around that coaching job. I'm like, it can't be that bad. No, it's bad.
0: It's and bad.
1: They, yeah, and then all of a sudden, like all of a sudden, I see on Twitter, like, yeah, they had Jeff Cable. I'm like, what the hell?
0: <laughs> so John Shire's name was getting tossed around too, and yeah, I saw Shire. And, yeah, like,
1: Cable. Cable told the story. He was like,
0: it was like he knew that the job was gonna be his, and he just saw a rumor that it was gonna be Shire's, and so he just said to him on the bus, like, hey, uh. You you interviewing with Pitt? Like, what's
1: going on there? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good, man. <laughs>
0: yeah, man. I I mean, the huge win for Pitt, obviously, because they've got absolutely nothing to lose. You know, I, they need bodies. They need warm bodies. And there are few coaches who can get warm bodies on a bench better than Jeff Capel. You know, uh, so regardless of, you know, a lot of – a lot of people who follow Duke or who don't like Duke or whatever, they have a lot of strong opinions on Jeff Cable's ability to coach X's and O's, which I think is, you know, maybe like a third rooted in some of the things that happened at Oklahoma and at least two thirds rooted in sort of racial bias. But I, you know, regardless of the X's and O's, let's say he's a bad X's and O's coach. They need a roster. (laughs) They need like Mm. bodies in uniforms, and Cable can do that, and he can bring talented bodies at that. So, I mean, like, regardless of anything else that he does, he will be able to field a competitive team, which is not something that Kevin Stallings was able to do either year that he was there. And, you know, certainly if you're a, a Duke fan, you're slightly concerned. You're, you're both encouraged and concerned. You're concerned because you're losing Jeff Cable, who's... You know, sort of unquestionably the best recruiter you've ever had at Duke as an assistant coach. But on the other side, if Cable's leaving and signing like a seven year deal at Pitt, where he's probably realistically not going to win for a couple of years, he clearly thinks that Kay's retirement is far enough away that he will have a chance to turn things around and start winning at Pitt, a team that currently has no roster. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I don't think if he thought that Kay was leaving, say, in two years, that he would have taken this job. Because the odds that he'll be able to put together a winning team in two years are, are pretty thin. So, I don't really know. It'll be interesting. It, this goes back to the theory I know I've presented more than once on this show, which is that I think Coach Kay will just coach until he dies. It's going to be a Bobby uh, Bowden scenario, maybe. Or no, He I guess he... Wasn't he like forced out? There was something going on there. I don't remember then. Paterno then. Hopefully it won't end the same way that Paternos <laughs> did. Jeez. Um, who else? Anybody anybody else that caught your eye?
1: Um, Chris Mack going to Louisville. Um obviously wasn't a huge surprise. Um doesn't say a whole lot about what Xavier sits in college basketball pecking order. I know that seemed to be a um you know, a popular Kind of feeling amongst college basketball writers like, yeah, this once again shows that the Big East is, you know, not the conference that people make them out to be just because Chris Mack left Xavier to go to Louisville. I don't believe that whatsoever. It's Louisville. I would expect him to go to Louisville. Right. That's that's a dumb take. Yeah. So. (laughs) And
0: also, like, Xavier's going to have, like, a down year in terms of their talent next year. Uh Louisville. Is offering obviously a very very lengthy contract because of all of the pending FBI stuff. So it's the safest job in the world for Chris Mack. He can go and get paid. What is he? Wouldn't he get he paid like four million a year now or yeah, something like that? Yeah. A huge contract, mm-hmm. and he can lose for the next like three seasons because of all the sanctions that are probably going to drop down, and it's not going to matter. And he probably won't lose because he's a really good coach. But, like, even if he does, it's going to be easy to go, oh, like, restrict scholarship restrictions, losing recruits, et cetera. It's, like, going to be the safest job in the world. <laughs> so, and it's, like, mm-hmm. his dream job. So, I mean, again, he can he can turn it around and, uh, and make that happen. He's familiar with the area. It's a great hire for Louisville. I wasn't convinced they were going to be able to pull it off. Solely because of you know just the degree of uncertainty and the size of the hammer that might potentially be brought down, but uh, certainly signing that length and that many millions of dollars per year, uh, that'll that'll make anybody consider it.
1: Absolutely, um, Dan Hurley going to UConn. I thought that was a really strong hire about him. Slam
0: dunk, great hire. Yep,
1: absolutely. Um, Tom Crean going to Georgia. I think that was good for them. Um, I think getting Ashton Hagens to recommit would have helped immensely, but I think he'll get his fair share of players down there. I think that was a solid hire.
0: Yeah, I think that it was. I think that was a phenomenal hire. I think that was an underrated hire because right now they are just waiting in the waters of mediocrity with Mark Fox mm-hmm. and Tom Crean. Say what you will about Tom Crean, and certainly the way that Indiana ended, whatever. He can field a competitive basketball team. He did great at Marquette. He had a couple of years at Indiana where they were legit, really, really good. And so I absolutely believe that Tom Crean can go in there, recruit from day one, field a competitive team maybe from day one. And, yeah, I, I think that hire is going to be sort of overshadowed by the Dan Hurleys, the Jeff Caples, the Chris Max. But that's right on that tier for me. Like, in terms of what Georgia can pull off, a school like Georgia, with not a huge history of, you know, NCAA tournament success there, to put it mildly, to get Tom Crean, yeah, I think that's a phenomenal hire. I'm going to miss him on the uh, play-by-play,
1: though. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penny Otway. Very interesting hire by Memphis. Um, It's a definite gamble, but I think he'll do fine just for the simple fact that I know he's going to be able to attract talent there. He has deep connections in Memphis. Um, Yeah, he'll get the talent. Now, whether or not he can coach, I have no idea, but he will have talented players back in Memphis. So, I think it was definitely worth the gamble.
0: Yeah, and it seemed like that was the beef with with Tubby that they had was that he was not Uh, they seemed to be thinking that he was not making like a huge amount of effort with like the boosters and the locals and, you know, trying to Mm. drum up a lot of interest. He was just interested in sort of the day-to-day of the job, you know, and Memphis, whether it's fair or not, is used to a Calipari, is used to a Pastner, you know, somebody who is a great schmooze one way or another, who who knows how to reach into the community and become sort of a, a big part of that community. And, yeah, Penny Hardaway is a, a perfect guy for that, for obvious reasons. And he'll definitely help with their attendance. Their attendance was was abysmal. I saw what the numbers were. It was something like 6,000 a game in that stadium or something like that this year. I mean, it was it was bad, bad, bad.
1: So he'll help a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and just an interesting hire for me it was David Cox getting a shot at Rhode Island. Um, that was a huge surprise. It was a major surprise when I saw my timeline that um, – he had signed a contract that allowed him to be the coach in waiting. Um, I didn't have any idea that was gonna happen, but um he's a former George Sign Assistant local guy. Made the surprise that he got the head job there, but good for him. i would be rooting for him, so.
0: Is it a surprise because you're skeptical of his ability or just
1: Um, I've just heard some things in the past about his recruiting acumen. I'll just I'll mm-hmm. leave it at that. I, I don't wanna to throw too much too much shade on him, but um, sure. it, it's not too flattering, I'll say that. But, you know, he might get the job done. We'll see. Yeah,
0: maybe maybe change the scenery. Maybe that'll help. Mm-hmm. Uh, another name I wanted to put out there was uh, Kermit Davis going to Ole Miss from Middle Tennessee. Uh, you know, Middle Tennessee's obviously been exceptional, especially the last few years. Uh, Kermit Davis is a really good, sort of, again, great X's and O's guy. Uh, to go to Ole Miss, where they've been pretty good about getting some, some pretty talented guards there, um, I, I think that's a really good hire for them. He, he's older, he's experienced, I think he can go in right away. Um, and Andy Kennedy is, you know, I forget what the stat was. I think Andy Kennedy, since he joined Mississippi – was like the third winningest coach in the SEC during that time, or something like that. I mean, like his his record was surprisingly good for a guy who again missed the tournament, you know, with some degree of regularity. But uh, yeah, I think Kermit Davis can win there. Um, any any coaching hires that you thought were questionable?
1: Um, none that really uh, stood out. I mean, other than the David Cox one at Rhode Island. But again, I'm happy for the guy to get an opportunity. Um, but nothing really stood out as questionable to me.
0: Yeah, I, I certainly think uh, Cal State Northridge probably is wondering about that Mark Godfried hire about now. Okay, sure. Uh, especially after today, yeah, that report. The day. Sure,
1: uh,
0: and the fact that Mark Godfried also put Jim Herrick on the staff, wh- who mm-hmm. has his own history mm-hmm. of stuff, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not exactly what you want. Um, I, I, it's a great hire for East Carolina, Joe Dooley. I'm wondering what Joe Dooley is doing. I uh, I think he could have done better. Um, you know, I know he's got some history there, but East Carolina is in really, really bad shape right now. I, and I don't know. I mean, his team was com- consistently competitive in the mid-majors, and, you know, the fact that he is going to, I think, a, a win-free job. There, There's no way... To really, really win there, there's I mean, and maybe that's what he wants. Maybe he just wants a job with longevity where he can win enough. Uh, but I, I was pretty surprised by that. I thought he was a guy who would have been on a on a high major, maybe not like the top of the list, but he would have been on lists. Um, and then, you know, a, a couple of hires that I think are either slam dunks or like what are you doing? Is obviously like Lorenzo Romar at Pepperdine. Uh, Again, he's a guy that I think he's already got a guy coming in, uh, a good recruit coming in for Pepperdine. That's certainly something where, you know, maybe you think his style of sort of recruit and roll the ball out there, maybe it didn't work on a high major, but maybe it works better at the mid major level if just your talent level is that much better than everybody else. Um, so maybe that'll work out. And then Tubby Smith going to High Point, which I guess is his alma mater. Um,. Yeah, Tubby Smith can coach. <laughs> it's a, mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see how he adjusts. You know, he's sort of consistently the last few jobs, he's gone lower and lower on the totem pole. Um, but he can coach. It'll be interesting to see how he does at the mid-major level. I'll definitely sort of be keeping an eye on that one. Uh, early draft talk, uh, I wanted to see who you thought – I guess top prospects everybody knows the top prospects um you know is there who would be like who are guys that you think are maybe underrated right now with sort of where their projections might be
1: uh real quick um somebody who's on the high seat Mark Turton's on the high seat
0: oh yeah we didn't talk about hot seat let's talk hot seat before we move on to the the draft
1: yeah that's it yeah he's on the high seat (laughs)
0: Yeah, uh I know uh we already mentioned DePaul. Um did they extend Ernie Kent at Washington State? I think they did for reasons that are completely baffling to me. Um a couple of guys who I had on my list. Let me pull it up. I had it. Uh I I would have had Pat Chambers, but they won the uh big or they won the NIT. We'll we'll see what happens there. Uh I feel like Chris Mullen at St. John's maybe not this year but it's 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 warming up because we expected better of st. John's this year and I know they had at least you know a, a little bit of injury issue but um yeah come on uh, again I would have said Kansas State had they not just gone to the elite eight um I feel like Jim Christian is in slightly better shape but because he's showing upward trajectory I think if Boston College, immediately goes back down to another two, three-win season that he'd get the heave-ho immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was one other person. Who is it? Uh, I think Billy Kennedy at Texas A&M really has some really has some concerns because, uh, again, even with the UNC blowout, they had really high expectations going into last year, and they had a lot of discipline problems. They had a lot of players that got suspended over the course of the year. Uh, this year, I mean, they're losing Hogue. They're losing Williams. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe – I feel like Davis and Gilder will probably come back, but if if they're NIT-bound again, I think it's realistic to say that he might be gone. Uh, Andy Enfield is probably another guy who is on the – maybe not quite at the Mark Turgeon level yet, but expectations have been higher than what he's delivered last year. Again, he can use the DeAnthony Melton thing as an excuse – But if they have another sort of very mediocre season, that's going to be really problematic uh, for him. And then obviously the one name that probably shouldn't belong on here in terms of on-court results, but, I mean, Tom Izzo. uh, The more news comes out of Michigan State, the worse and worse all of that sounds. And I wonder at what point Michigan State uh, says we need to fire literally everyone,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like Gary Oldman in The Professional.
1: Everyone,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you can you can be a Hall of Famer, but if you got a, I saw a list of the uh, of the. Series of accused rapes that have happened by Michigan State basketball players over the past like decade, fifteen yeah, years. Yeah. It's not a short list. Yeah, an ideal, an ideal list is zero. <laughs> yeah. You don't want any rapes. <laughs> you, don't want, yeah. you don't want zero. Yeah, rapes are yeah. still you know in today's enlightened society there is still a stigma against rape. Yeah, rape. Yeah. Um. You know. So, and uh, when you've got more and more stories coming out and. His PR is just nightmarish at this point. Uh, so, yeah, I I wonder about that one. And then, I mean, I guess Sean Miller, too, although it seems like Arizona's going to stick with Sean Miller. Um, but, I mean, I guess if that report turns out to be true, then obviously he would get canned as well. And Arizona's going to have an interesting time in terms of just the team they're fielding next year. So maybe if Arizona's looking for an excuse, they could they could toss him, maybe? but mm-hmm. I don't know. Izzo is <laughs> Izzo's the, the really interesting one there because uh, Sean Miller is not a Hall of Famer and Tom Izzo is. So we'll see what happens there. The draft. Let's talk the draft. Uh, guys that you think are currently maybe like underrated. Uh, I've got right here uh, the current uh, Jonathan Gibney, uh ESPN top list. Uh, that I figured I would just run down for both you and the listener to help with sort of making this. these ideas. Number one, he's got uh, DeAndre Ayton. Number two, Luka Doncic. I guess that's how you say his name. I don't know. He's the Euro he's guy. Number three, mm-hmm. Jaron Jackson, Jr. Number mm-hmm. four, Marvin Bagley. Five, Mobamba, Six, Wendell Carter, Jr. Seven, Trey Young. Eight, Michael Porter, Jr. Nine, Colin Sexton, uh, 10 uh, is Bridges, 11 is Bridges, uh, Michael Bridges, Miles Bridges, uh, Mikael Bridges. Uh, number 12, uh, <coughs> Shea Gilchrist-Alexander. Uh, number 13, Robert Williams. 14, Lonnie Walker. 15, Kevin Knox. 16, Zaire Smith from Texas Tech. Not clear whether he's staying in the draft yet, but he's there. 17, Aaron Holiday. 18, Troy Brown from Oregon. 19, Mitchell Robinson, formerly of Western Kentucky. Formerly then also, I think, of Kansas for like a minute, and then formerly again of Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20, K bates Uh 21 is a foreign player who I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. Janan Musa Sedevita. There you go. Mm-hmm. 22, Amfernee Simons, uh, formerly of Louisville for like hot second, and then straight to the NBA. 23, Kyrie Thomas, not clear whether he's staying in the draft either 24 jacob evans of cincinnati 25 d melton of quasi-usc fame 26 Jalen brunson not sure whether he'll stay 27 bruce brown of miami 28 chandler hutcheson boise state 29 tyus battle and 30 is grayson allen so that's the that's the first round there. Any any names that that stand out as being either way overrated, way underrated by at least giveny?
1: Um, some of the names that you just um, said Some names that just kind of stood out as guys I I, I kind of like. Um, I like Wendell Carter a lot. I would love him on the Wizards. I know that's not going to happen, but I absolutely love his game. I love his his just everything really is just about his approach to the game. I think he's going to be a, a really really solid pro for a long time. Um, Zaire Smith from Texas Tech. I think he's like really a jump away from being a potential star in the NBA, because um, he has everything else. Um, you know, he's extremely smart basketball player, an exceptional athlete, very fluid, um, unselfish. Um, I think he needs to improve his ball hand a little bit, but I think that's solid enough. I just think yeah, he just needs to work on his jumper a lot. But from what I understand, kid works hard, extremely humble. I think that's going to come with time. Um, I think he could be a contributor on a good team uh, for a long time. In the NBA. Um, I, also, I,
0: I also think with Zaire Smith, not to cut you off. I think also, mm-hmm. so he's going to be right in that range where the Wizards would pick. He's going to be mm-hmm. right in that, like sort of, uh, you know, fourteen to twenty somewhere in there. I feel like they're in this particular draft. It's pretty top heavy, and in this range of the draft, there aren't a lot of guys who you would call necessarily high upside guys. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of guys who you know, maybe have potential high upside, but really low basements. And then you've got the guys who are are pretty safe, but maybe not stars. And so guys like Zaire Smith, uh, again, he screams the type of guy who would be a really good pick in this range because of his considerable upside, even if he doesn't give you something right away. Uh, that's great value for where his game could go at this point. Sure. And as you said, I don't think his basement is as low as like the Troy Browns or some of the other guys.
1: I agree, I agree. Um, and two Miami guys, you just mentioned um, Lonnie Walker and Bruce Brown. Um, I think Lonnie Walker, again, I think it's a guy that has high upside at the point where he's being projected right now. And I just love Bruce Brown's, again, kid. I just love his approach to the game. I think he could be a defensive stopper at the NBA level, but just somebody who you're not going to outwork him, you're not going to outdog him. Um, and, you know, now teams need perimeter, got guys who can go out and – and really strap up on the perimeter, uh, but also make plays. Um, again, I just I just love the way he plays the game, and I think he's somebody that I think in that you know mid twenties range, I think for a good team, I think he'd be an exceptional addition to their squad.
0: Yeah, I'm sort of surprised that he's still honestly projected as a first rounder with the season that he had. You know, sure. obviously he came back. He's you know we talk about every single year how if you're a first rounder you should go. He obviously should have gone last year. And now he's back. He shot the ball like he did get hurt, but he did play like 19 games or something like this before he got hurt and only shot something like 26% from three or something like that. He shot really, really badly. I think Trayvon Duvall had better shooting numbers than Bruce Brown did this year. And again, that's just, that's just a reason to leave. That's just a reason to leave immediately. Um, So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he falls out of the first round entirely. Again, if you're at the beginning of the second or at the end of the first and you see a guy who people thought had maybe lottery, late lottery potential, uh, it's obviously a good get there. But, yeah, I mean, God, he just lost money. It's just disappointing. Yeah. Uh, anybody that you think
1: is, is maybe a little overvalued on that list? Um, I think a lot of those guys at the top. I don't know. It's, it is top-heavy, but... I don't know. It's one of those drafts where I don't think there's really consensus, like really at number one, and you kind of just going down the line. I think you know, beauty is going to be in the eye of the beholder, but it could be one of those drafts where a team takes somebody at three and the guy that goes four ends up being a Hall of Famer and the guy that ends up going three right. ends up being a complete dud. I mean, sure. it's one of those drafts. So um, I like Jaron Jackson Jr. I know a lot of people may not be that high on because it seems like he can't stay on the floor. Um, right, like that's my biggest problem. He gets him. a foul. Yeah, it's the biggest issue with him mayor, but um, I think upside is tremendous. Um, Trey Young is gonna be one of those guys that you're gonna love him, you're gonna hate him. Um, where Trey Young and Colin Sexton kind of fall, I think it's gonna be very interesting. Um, I personally would take Colin Sexton before I would take Trey Young, but same, hey, same, yeah,
0: a hundred percent, same, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, I oh god, you know, like, I, I. I feel like people are overthinking Sexton. You know what I mean? Like I've we've talked about this before too, as in regards to Marvin Bagley. When you've got a guy who who every time he's on the floor he's working hard, like a, a lot of these talented guys. You know, I I I could maybe say it about Jackson Jr. to some extent. Maybe certainly you could say it about people like Mobamba. Maybe even Aiton a little bit. Um, guys there are a lot of guys who are very very talented who you can you can tell they're either taking plays off or or if they're losing they're not taking it personally you know what i mean like i i love the guys who are taking losing personally and colin sexton is absolutely one of those guys um I, I just have no doubt that out of all the guards in the draft, he is he's the biggest asshole. He's the he's the <laughs> he's he's the dog of the bunch, you know what I mean? Like he's just he's never going to stop trying to beat you ever. You can be down forty and he'll dunk on you and then try to talk to your girl in the sidelines. You know what I mean? Like I I like a guy <laughs> that brings that to the table. Um and especially just his athleticism and his body compared to Trey Young. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, t- to me it's a no-brainer, especially with the way he performed in the NCAA tournament. I I mean, I don't know. I think it's a no-brainer. Honestly, the the more interesting conversation to me is Gilgis Alexander versus Trey Young, frankly. Because mm. I would absolutely entertain Gilgis Alexander over Trey Young as well. I've uh, seen it. Yeah, I mean he's six foot six, seven feet tall. He was very up and down in terms of how he played this year. Very turnover prone at times, but when you've got a body like that and you've got some of the great games that he had, like when when he was going to the rim against uh, admittedly smaller defenders, but like a lot of the point guards in the NBA aren't tremendous defenders anyway. I I fully believe that he could continue to find that sort of success driving to the hoop uh, at the next level. And so then you're just then it becomes a style choice, right? Do you want the guy who's shooting a lot of threes? Do you want the dribble drive guy? You know, uh, who's more of sort of an athletic freak? Um, but Sexton would be my number one, and then Gilgis Alexander, Trey Young would be sort of my two, three, depending on what stylistically you want. I like the Gilgis Alexander uh, choice personally, but uh, but that's just me. Uh, other guys that I think might be a little Overvalued, or just to like bring up a couple of guys. I, I think Bagley going as low as four is is ridiculous to me. I, I think I think I could argue him as low as three, but man, if he, if he falls to four, I personally think somebody's getting fired. Um, Miles Bridges at eleven smells high to me. Uh, a guy who we know he struggled to sort of create his own shot. Uh, at times this year, uh, he's a good passer. He's a smart player. He's a heady player, a a good shooter, obviously a tremendous athlete. Um, but you know, again, like Gilgis Alexander right now is below him on the draft. I would put Gilgis Alexander ahead of Bridges. Um, they're just safer picks. I mean, Lonnie Walker's below Bridges. Uh, At least I know what Lonnie Walker brings to the table. Like Lonnie Walker is a shooting guard, a strong shooting guard, you know miles bridges, i guess is a shooting guard, but without eh. robert williams i i i like too maybe kevin Knox versus miles bridges again i I think there are arguments to be made there um aaron holiday all the way at seventeen that seems that smells high to me hmm. um even though he did really well i'd I'd take him in the first round, but uh I don't know, just looking at some of the other names that come later I mean I'm not necessarily convinced that a kid who you know is like 6'1 180 pounds seemed like more of a scorer than a distributor uh good wingspan though I don't know Troy Brown I think is is uh a guy who I struggle with imagining picking him in the top 20 also because again you see the potential but he's not really a great athlete he's not really a good shooter so like what is he what is he bringing Right now, I think he's the type of guy who could easily just fall into the D League and never come back. Um, was there anybody down at the bottom? <clears throat> no, there were just there were just also guys I think who Giveny has in his second round that I would entertain as first round picks a lot more. Uh, Landry Shamit I would entertain in the first round. I I would entertain Gary Trent in the first round for sure. Uh he's got Trent all the way down at forty-six, which really surprises me. Um, same for Trayvon Duval, Duval, I guess, uh, who certainly had his troubles, but like I don't know why you would let him slide past like thirty-five. They've got Jerome Robinson above Duval. I mean, I, I would be stunned if that happened on draft night. Um And then Mo uh Mo Wagner, Mo Wagner, uh Again, if he comes out, he's sort of projected in the middle of the second round. I think he.
1: That's a little surprising.
0: Yeah. I, I thought that last year his biggest question was defense, and he was a lot better defensively this year. Mm-hmm. His shot improved a lot. His motor improved a lot on, on the glass. He worked really, really hard, as evidenced in their championship run there. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely not let him, if I'm a team picking at the end of the first round, I wouldn't let him fall past there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those are just some names that sort of popped up. those are some some highs and lows there. Let's see, let me pull up my itinerary list. I know I had one more thing, but then I clicked away uh and then I guess I was we wanted to talk about uh next seasons uh best guys, oh oh, one more thing about uh prospects. Uh, guys that you think are maybe, like, late first, maybe second round guys, maybe even borderline undrafted that you think might be, like, steals in the NBA. I guess I sort of named a couple of mine
1: right there. Yeah, I, I gotta go along with some of the people that you name. Yeah, Yeah. He, I, I think Kita Bates' job, I like him. Um, I think he's somebody could possibly stick around eBay for a while just because of his motor. Um, I gotta look at that list again to see the guys who are definitely, um... Guys who signed with agents, guys who are definitely gonna be in the draft. So I get like a really a full idea of that.
0: Yeah, I've got that somewhere. Um, but yeah, uh, I, uh, there are a few guys who have not signed with agents yet who are clearly draftable. I mean, I, Wendell Carter has still, to my knowledge, not announced, even though he's obviously going to go into the draft. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's there's a few guys that are left out there that are that are like that at this juncture. Um, Other guys like Raleigh Alkins signed with an agent. Tony Carr from Penn State, who I know. uh, I like him. Yeah, uh, Justin Jackson, Maryland. Uh, Brandon McCoy, UNLV. Shake Milton, SMU. Uh, Alonzo Trier at Arizona. Uh, I I like him. I wonder why he announced. Uh, Malik Newman of Kansas, obviously announced. Mustafa Heron from Auburn announced, uh, let's see, DJ Hogue, Texas A&M. I think he just wanted to get away from Billy Kennedy. Uh, and, of course, signed with an agent, Marcus Derrickson, Georgetown, KB. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good luck to him. Good. It was – what, has, there, has there been any story as to why he left, or was he just ready to start playing basketball for money it, somewhere? It
1: it was a surprise to a lot of people. Um, I think the thinking was that him and Jesse Govan were going to test the waters, not sign with agents, test the waters, kind of get some feedback and come back. Um, but apparently people are saying, like, if you know Marcus, he's kind of a different kind of guy, always been kind of stubborn. He's had a lot of people trying to talk him out of signing with an agent, but... His whole thing is, you know, that just kind of puts more of a chip on his shoulder. He wants to prove people that he can't play in the NBA level. If not playing in the NBA, he'll just get paid to play basketball. There's other people that have speculated that he didn't get get along with Coach Ewing. Um, I know there were a
0: couple of those clips of uh, Ewing uh, yelling at him. Right,
1: right, right. And apparently he didn't really like that too much. But my thing is, you know, if that caused you not to like the coach, then it might be best to move on anyway. So
0: Sure. Makes sense. Well, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Way too early top teams for next year, uh, sort of in the major conferences. Who do you think, like, the title contenders would be? I I went ahead and made a a list just sort of of the top conferences. I just sort of wanted to see what you thought about it. I thought I'd maybe take lead here. Uh, ACC, I mean, the top three teams, I don't think you would disagree that Duke, UNC, and Virginia would be Mm -hmm. projected as the top three teams in the ACC next year.
1: On paper right now, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think all Virginia, of them. Virginia
1: Tech's going to be pretty good next year, too, you would think.
0: Virginia Tech, um, I've seen a lot of people have them at, at number four. Uh, I would definitely consider that. Uh, I honestly think Clemson might be number four. Clemson.
1: Yeah, yeah
0: they're bringing back – I mean, they're losing Grantham, but they played pretty well without him, surprisingly. And uh, they lose DeVoe, but they bring back Reed. They bring back Mitchell. They bring back Thomas. Um, you know, that's, that's a considerable, you know, top three right there. Um, so if they can keep building, I think that that's, they've got a lot of potential there. Um, Duke versus UNC, uh, in terms of ACC next year, uh, any,
1: uh, on paper, you would think Duke would be the better team on paper.
0: Yeah. Do you think that UNC is a title contender?
1: Oh man. Um, who's going to play point guard for them next year?
0: So that's the big question. I mean, people are speculating Kobe White would play. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like 7th Woods is going to be the guy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, that That's the big, big question mark there. I like what I've seen from Kobe White, but I also feel like he's maybe more of a scoring guard than a, yeah, than a pure point right. guard, um, which considering how much of their talent is going to be down low might make things a little bit interesting. Um, but I do really like what I've seen from Kobe White, and obviously I like a lot of what I've seen from Nazir Little. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he is gonna be a one and done. I feel like I uh, and you know bringing back Kenny Williams, bringing back Cam Johnson, bringing back Luke May. Obviously Garrison Brooks and Sterling Manley will do their annoying thing where they gradually get better. You know, under Roy Williams, who seems to be just metering out his big men's improvement level you know so that they can stay all four years um seems like that's going to be the case with those two as well so yeah i i think they're a title contender i'm i'm not sure that i would put them you know maybe in my top five or top six because of those point guard concerns um but yeah there's definitely there's a lot of talent there I, yeah and then the question would be do you think virginia is a title contender no <laughs> I think they will have another season where they only lose, like, four or five games and they're going to be in real contention for, like, a top two seed once again. And that might make things pretty interesting. A healthy DeAndre Hunter will definitely help, uh, assuming he comes back, which I think he will. Uh, the Big East. Uh, obviously, Villanova would be our mm. number one. Uh, I'm assuming you would agree that they are probably a title contender again next year?
1: Sure, why not?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I guess if they lose Spellman, I might be a little more lukewarm on that. Uh, but if Spellman comes back, uh, having DiVincenzo, Quinterly, Booth, Pascal, Spellman, I mean, that's a that's a championship mm-hmm. caliber roster in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Who who would you have immediately behind Villanova? Like, what couple of teams next year project to be like number two, number three in the conference?
1: I know a lot of people seem to be high on Providence going into next season. Um, uh, Seton Hall is going to lose a lot. Xavier is going to lose a lot. Um, I think Georgetown has an opportunity to get back into the upper half of the conference. Uh, I know people are going to be high on Creighton going into next season. Um, How about Butler. I don't really, Butler, I was about to say, Butler, people going to be very high on Butler going into next season as well. Butler will be my know, number two. Yeah, Butler be your number two. Yeah, I don't I don't know who will be a consensus number two behind Villanova. Just for the simple fact that I think that now it's kind of like Villanova and everybody else in that conference. Everybody's sure. kind of battling for number two. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of change next year um, with rosters. So, I don't really know who's going to be the consensus number two, but...
0: Yeah, I, I, I like Butler as the number two pretty safely. You know, returning five of their top seven guys. Kamar Baldwin coming back being, you know, really big key there. Jorgensen coming back. Wide, maybe, you know, I, I don't remember whether he's a senior or not. But when I looked it up, it's five of the top seven guys. Uh, they'll add Jordan Tucker midseason. Mm. Uh, I think that'll be a really, really big difference maker for them as well. Uh, so they've just got good depth and experience and talent. Uh, I would probably have Providence number three after that. Um, if Kyrie Thomas comes back for Creighton, then yeah, I'd be I'd be more hot on them being in my top five. Xavier, even though they're losing people, they, you, they bring back Marshall. They'll bring back Gooden. Uh, they're bringing in this guy, Zach Hankins, who is the best center in D2. Um, and so presumably he will sort of come in and, and fill a role down low right away, which I think will be really important. Um, so if they've got two sort of big men and Gooden, uh, is Ty- I think Tyreek Jones is coming back too, yeah? If I recall?
1: I believe so. I think dude. so.
0: Yeah, so I mean, uh, I guess it depends on how much you believe in Travis Steele at that point. Wh- whether you think the Mac to Steele, uh, if- whether there will be any fall off there. Uh, gun to head, I would go Nova, Butler, Providence, Uh, Xavier and Creighton because I assume Kyrie Thomas is going to go. Yeah. Uh, Big 12, I think we would probably all agree that Kansas is number one and that Kansas is a legitimate title contender. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who would you have behind Kansas in the Big 12 next year?
1: Mm, uh, Maybe West Virginia. West Virginia. Maybe Kansas State.
0: Those would be, yeah, my number two and three I would have... I'd have Kansas State, you know, they're going to bring back Barry Brown, presumably Dean Wade, Kamau Stokes, Xavier Snead. West Virginia presumably will bring back uh, Sag Kanate. They'll have Beetle Bolden in there. I think that's a terrific one-two punch for them. Uh, number four, I've got Iowa State at number four. Hmm. I'm going to be pretty high on them going into next year. Bringing back Wigginton presumably. Nick Wyler, babb presumably. Cameron Lard, who I'm really high on uh tally young uh they're bringing in the kid Horton Tucker from uh, Simeon in Chicago mm-hmm. uh, Bro, I
1: like that kid a lot
0: I mean you could argue that Iowa State is going to be the second most talented roster in the big 12 um it's just a matter of you know how they play together how they come together uh, and they'll also obviously be quite young um but yeah I I, I think there's a lot there and then TCU I've got a, is my number five I think they'll just continue to be sort of a... Typical Jamie Dixon unsexy but efficient offensive team that continues to do, you know, a little above average. Uh, Big Ten. <laughs> this is the interesting one, uh, KB. Without, I'm, I'm going to step back for Big Ten. I want to know who you think would win the Big Ten next year. Let's assume... Mo Wagner goes because if he came back, I think they would be the consensus number one in the Big Ten.
1: Let's assume he leaves. I think even if he leaves, I think they're still going to bring him back. I think with three starters. I think so. I think so. There's an argument um, to be made for Michigan for sure. Yeah, um, of course, Michigan State's name is going even if they lose Miles Bridges and Jaren Jackson Jr um nick ward i think he declared i think he didn't sign with asian you expect him to be back C- Cash yeah, he to back. be back langford will be Malik back McQuaid to be back um yeah i i hate to say it and i know that their fans want this to be the case oh you're gonna bring maryland think- in here yeah maryland at number three yeah. Wow. I think if, I think the the big thing with Merlin going to the next season is whether that Bruno Fernando comes back. Sure. I think if he comes back, I think they could be top three in the Big Ten next year. If he doesn't, that's a got gigantic hole in the middle that they don't really have anybody that could can can fill. I know they really wanted Tariq Owens, the uh, Saint John's transfer. Um, the kid is from here. Um, seen, even from what I heard, his family wanted him to uh, transfer to Merlin, and their board had a meltdown when it was announced that he was transferring <laughs> to Texas Tech. And apparently, the reason why is he felt like he could win more at Texas Tech than win at Merlin. Ooh, I and like just, that. That's and funny. And that alone, that alone, that I mean, puts a smile on a your face. KB. Oh my goodness, like, they were like, dude, if 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 like they were like, just let this sink in for a second. A kid thinks, that's from here, thinks that he can win more at Texas Tech than he can here. Mm-hmm. Pretty much fire turgent. This is how far we've sunk in. I right. can't believe this shit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because they need bigs. Um, is
0: is Jalen Smith, is he coming in? Yeah, he's coming in.
1: Yeah, okay, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, tremendous. yeah. he's tremendous. He's tremendous. He's tremendous. yeah. yeah. Um, but just very frail. He's just not somebody who's going to be a – they need a banger. They need a banger, sure. Yeah, and Fernando's the banger. Um, If he comes back, I think they're top three. If not, I don't know what they're going to do next season. I, I, I think that him coming back is going to mean that much to the season next year.
0: Yeah, I feel like they're also a, a team that could lose – Somebody randomly to like, do, why, why does that team feel like a team that would have like another guy who would randomly declare for the draft? You know what I mean? Like, yeah,
1: yeah, out of nowhere, Anthony Cohen, or he's a hundred
0: percent who I thought of. Yeah, absolutely,
1: just yeah. out of nowhere, just declared. Yep, right?
0: yep, bye. Um, yeah, I, even with Fernando back, like. I just have so many questions, you know what I mean? Like, with their ability to win. And, like, here's who I would have. Okay, I'd have Michigan and MSU at number one and two. I would still put Purdue in the top three. Presumably they're returning Carson Edwards. Carson Edwards has not said that he would declare. If he comes back, I think he's the instant contender for Big Ten Player of the Year. Um, And he's just a tremendous talent. If he came out in this year's draft... I'd take him somewhere at the top of the second round, find a place for him. He's tremendous. Um, And they'll have Matt Harms, uh, who, again, started to come alive pretty well. He's still got some defensive work to do. uh, But, again, another just big body down there. I I think they've got enough in the tank to make, you know, a top three, top four finish. I've got my eye on two teams that we talked about this year um, that will bring everybody back that that was not maybe as good as, as... Expectations might have set this year, but it'll bring everybody back. One is Nebraska, assuming that James Palmer, Isaac Copeland, Glenn Watson, Isaiah Roby all come back, which I think they will. Um, You know, if they all come back, that's a really talented team that won like what, like 13 games this year in the Big Ten? Something Mm -hmm. like this? Something like that. Bringing back everyone. Everyone! Right. So, I. I would really struggle to not put them in my top four for that reason, especially in a big 10 that next year might be even worse than the big 10 this year. Um, And then also Wisconsin. I want to bring up Wisconsin, uh, a team that again was not very good this year, but assuming they bring back Ethan Happ, which again, I think they will. There's no reason for him to go to the pros right now. He's not going to get drafted. Might as well finish your career. Uh, Brad Davison back, Lill Iverson back, Pritzel back, Demetric Price and Kobe King, both of who were hurt this year, and both, like, once they were both hurt, they lost their point guard play entirely. So, like, I think their record this year was deceptively low compared to what the talent level is on that team. I think they've got good talent on that team to, again, try to get Wisconsin back to that sort of top four in the Big Ten. I think they'll be right there in the mix. So even if fernando did come back i could make arguments for you know them finishing at least outside of the top 4 and i think you know i could maybe even make the argument that again if you finish outside of the top 4 in next year's big 10 you're probably a bubble team again so it'll be interesting to see what happens with them, if they can cut down the turnovers next year, obviously if Fernando comes back, how they continue to develop, because I think they expected the team to take a bigger jump this year than they did. Uh, the only reason they were as good as they were was because Fernando was was so good. So we'll see what happens there. Mm-hmm. Uh, SEC, uh, how many top ten teams are in the SEC this year? That's the question that I put forth.
1: Um. Well, of course, Kentucky. Yes. Of course. Um. Tennessee. Of course. Yes. All. All Of course. Yes. Um. I'm actually surprised. And I know this may sound crazy, but we recruited them. That Trey Waters hasn't declared. Um, Because apparently he thought that he was a one-and-done type. That's actually what attracted him to Georgetown in the first place. He knew he'd be given the keys from day one. And he wanted to ball out and just get the hell out of college. So the fact that he's still um, apparently a student at uh, LSU is surprising. But with them coming back, then, yeah, I would think they're going to be a top 25 team. Especially considering who they got bringing in. They got a phenomenal class coming in. Mm. So I would think LSU um, and Florida, I would think, would be going into next season. Texas A&M. Damn, I just named a lot of I just named a lot of SEC teams. Dude, they're they're
0: gonna be really good next year. <laughs> the SEC is gonna be really good again next year, um, which I think is really great. Uh, I'm glad you brought up LSU uh, because in everybody's top twenty five, uh, in all these top twenty fives that I'm seeing the way too early top twenty fives, I'm seeing a lot of Mississippi State because they bring back a lot of. Uh, players from this year's sort of, I guess, NIT semifinal team. I think they bring back everybody, but I don't see anybody talking about LSU right now. Bring back Tremont waters, bringing in uh, Javante smart, who I really like what I've seen from him. Naz mm-hmm. Reed, who looks 30 is exceptional. Also like the, the, he moves so fluidly for a guy that mm-hmm. like seems again, like he's got old, he's got like old man. Like he, he, he moves like if, if, Paul Pierce were like six ten and two forty. You know what I mean? Where he's yeah. like, where he mm-hmm. seems like he's kind of slow, but like, but he's real like wily. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, and, yep. and he can sort of step outside and shoot some. And then Emmett Williams, I watched the Jordan Brand Classic, and granted, the last yeah. fourteen points or so were just bullshit because the team was just letting him dunk to set that record. But the first twenty five or so was just him working his ass off down low. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that right there, that top four, I mean, you put that against the top four talented players on any team in the country, honestly. So, yeah, I I could argue with them being top three in the conference, uh, maybe even above Auburn with Auburn losing Heron, but but they'll bring back Brown, they'll bring back Harper, they'll bring back uh, Anthony McElmore, who's such an important part of that team. They'll still be coached by Bruce Pearl. Tennessee brings everybody back. My, My problem with Tennessee and Auburn a little bit is like, the lack of obvious pros, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I guess you could argue Grant Williams for Tennessee, maybe could find a place somewhere, but he's kind of a tweener. Uh, Anthony Macklemore, I sort of feel the same about for Auburn. Um, whereas I can look at LSU and say, oh, there are, uh, at, at, in a worst-case scenario, two future NBA players. In a worst-case scenario, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and Kentucky obviously has, again, in a worst case scenario, I hesitate to say a number because then uh, C.A. Huggins is going to be like, you forgot this guy, <laughs> but uh, but a good number, <laughs> right? a healthy yes, number yeah. of future pros. So yeah. Tennessee and Auburn, uh, uh, maybe I'm just a little snake bit by, you know, sort of like the Northwestern thing from this year, where like just because everyone is coming back doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, and, yeah, Florida, I really like uh, Andrew Nimhard, Um from, oh, God, which high school did he play at? He played with uh, Barrett. He played uh, at Montverde. Yeah. Montverde, yeah. Yeah. Um, really like what I've seen from him. Uh, I think he's going to be tremendous right away at Florida um i think he'll help there especially if they if they do bring back jalen hudson i don't know if he's signed with an agent yet but if they bring him back that would obviously be tremendous for them as well um and then yeah kentucky what do you think about the roster that kentucky's put together here
1: uh yeah um getting ashton Hagen's at this point um in the cycle is uh tremendous for them uh, not really losing i mean you could say they're losing a lot but he kind of used to it by now um I even saw Sasha Kalia Jones is transferring, but yeah. you know that was this bitch depth. I mean, every loading at the top, so they'll be back in the mix. I mean, it's actually a pretty impressive recruiting class, all things considered for Kentucky. So
0: yeah, their their backcourt will be really impressive. Um, you know, and they just brought in EJ Montgomery, who will help with the front court. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really peg him as a one and done from what I've seen from him. Um, I, Huggins gave me shit today because. I said that I thought he was going to Kentucky because he would get more minutes there. Mm-hmm. Like he, it seemed like more obvious minutes down low, just because all they had left in the paint for like paint players is Nick Richards and Jared Vanderbilt. If Jared Vanderbilt comes back, and, right. and he was like, "Oh, so uh, so he wouldn't play above uh, Bolden, he wouldn't play above Delorier? That's what you're saying, you know? And I was like, "All right, all right I'm I'm bouncing from this conversation immediately." <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, I, I think he'll get some good minutes there right away. He'll fit with what Cal wants to do, of course. And, yeah, uh, they've got a title contender. That's not really a surprise. Um, Pac-12, is there anyone interesting in the Pac-12? <laughs> that's that's my question.
1: Um,
0: Maybe Oregon.
1: Yeah, Oregon. Because they they're bringing in a
0: king. They're bringing in Bull Bull. Uh, yeah. They're bringing back Pritchard uh, mm-hmm. to run the point. Uh, they sort of had a weird year this year. I feel like maybe they'll, they'll turn it around next year. UCLA, presumably they're going to bring back Jalen Hands and Chris Wilkes. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. They'll bring in uh, Sharif O'Neal. But both, but both Bull Bull and Sharif O'Neal are guys who, from what I've seen, uh, they coast a little bit.
1: A little bit, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, like obvious talent, without question, obvious talent. But um, I saw Bull Bull live, and like, he, for four or five plays, looked exceptional, and then the rest of it, he, he was just sort of content to just stand in the middle and be big. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so, so yeah, sort of interesting there. Are there any um, are there any non-major conference teams? That uh, that you've got your eye on is maybe like top twenty five, maybe even top ten
1: teams. Gonzaga.
0: Yeah, especially bringing back Rui Hachimura, I think exactly. that that'll, that'll help a lot. Yeah, uh, I think you could argue for Nevada, especially if they bring back the Martin twins. They bring back the Jordan Martin Caroline. Twins, uh, yeah. From what I understand, they're bringing in a lot of people too. I think they've got a pretty good recruiting class, um, or maybe or maybe their transfers. That's what it is. They're bringing in a a few transfers who were not active this year. That's why their bench was so short. Uh, I think will be active next year. Um, So if they've got more depth and they bring back the Martin Twins and and Jordan Caroline, then, yeah, that's a powerhouse Mm -hmm. team there. You know, I got to throw Loyola Chicago in there. Loyola Chicago. Yeah, top 25. team. Because if if they go, I don't know what their pre-conference schedule looks like, but let's say they make it to February with, like, two, three losses, especially considering – how they did this year i think the, i think the media will be paying attention absolutely uh and then you obviously got to consider like cincinnati and wichita state you know they're even though they're losing some people i mean they're probably still going to be real good you know just as it is who do who do you think as, as we wrap this up who do you think the title contenders are from this bunch if you had to peg teams that you think could realistically win the championship next year
1: I think if oh, uh, Wagner comes back for Michigan, I think they could be one. I think Kentucky could be one. Villanova, of course, could be one. Duke could be one. Kansas.
0: Did you say
1: Kentucky? I said Kentucky. I was
0: hoping he forgot Kentucky, and maybe that was just my wishful thinking. Just so we could oh, we no could girl. see the tweets that come in. Um, yeah, I, I agree with all those. I, I'd throw UNC into the mix. Um, I took I took bets on uh vegas futures on four teams that had pretty long shot uh odds considering the fact that they're relatively consensus top 10 teams uh going into next year and that's gonzaga uh i took i think it like plus 1800 uh tennessee i think was like plus 3000 uh auburn was like plus 20 2,000 uh, 2,500 and then i gotta say at like i think it was like plus 2,000 something like that I put some money on Virginia. Couldn't hmm. hurt. They're going to be a top 10 team, and those are great odds for a top 10 team. All right. We'll see. I. It'll. It, there are basically only two ways that the Tony Bennett thing will end in the next year or two, and it will either end in them continuing to uh, have their tournament results be the way that they've been to some extent, uh, which will drive the fan base absolutely bonkers and it'll inspire a billion annoying think pieces, or uh, he comes back with a vengeance and, like, wins it all or makes, a, like, a really, really huge deep run. And so at those odds where I can put down, like, 20 bucks and, and potentially make, like, 200, 250, I'll put down 20 bucks on Virginia. Could happen. Could happen. Uh, especially if DeAndre Hunter plays the way I think he'll play next year. Sure. It's out there. So yeah, obviously not my favorites to win. I think the realistic winners are your Kansas, your Duke, your UNC, your Kentucky, your Villanova. Uh, I think those are those are pretty safe top five. Uh, and they're, they're sort of your top five every year also, which is yep. a little annoying. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, not for me, but it's it's boring. Uh, sure. Yeah, uh, one more thing that I wanted to throw out into the uh, universe. I read a rumor. <laughs> this is a terrible rumor to be putting on a college basketball podcast because then somebody's gonna hear it and and think it might actually happen. Read a rumor that uh, Duke trying to get Vernon Carey to uh, <laughs> to I
1: don't I don't want to hear that I don't want to hear it. no no <laughs> to reclassify absolutely not absolutely not absolutely for this not. year <laughs> I swear to God if I woke up tomorrow morning opened up Twitter and saw that I'm throwing my fucking phone in the River I'm not no absolutely I won't watch college basketball next year.
0: It's. i feel like i feel like the kentucky thing you know cuz kentucky got the Ashton hagen's uh reclass and he's almost certainly going to reclassify and join this right. year it's not official yet it's though. not official yet but it probably will be right and so right. cal sent out his smug ass tweet this morning did you see that? He said, he sent out something like, uh, he's like, you enjoying your breakfast, BBN? <laughs> he's like, hmm. nobody, it, it said something along the lines of like, nobody, uh, knows what we're doing except for the people in this room, and just wait, we may not be finished yet, or like mm-hmm. some, some, something like that. It's some, mm-hmm. he might have put a smiley emoji in there. I don't remember. Okay. It was some smug, okay. it was some smug dad shit, but I could just see mm-hmm. like somebody walking in. It's like Coach K's office with like a printout of the tweet on a piece of paper or whatever. Mm-hmm. Handing it to him all solemn or whatever. And Coach K just like shaking the page with rage sure. or whatever. Sure, sure, And he's like, oh, we're making this shit happen. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it will happen. It's obviously a rumor with very little foundation in reality. Just mm-hmm. because they mm-hmm. visited this recently doesn't mean that's actually going to happen. Um, but <laughs> if it did then Duke and Kentucky would be such a dumb embarrassment of riches. (laughs) Yep. Everyone thinks Kansas is number one going into next season. Come on. If that happened, that would be so stupid.
1: Not watching.
0: Oh, God. Oh, man. I (laughs) I hope it happens now just for the reactions. Just for the reactions. Yeah, I get it. It'd be good. It'd be good. I'd be happy to. I I, I think realistically, I think w- we could get him for twenty nineteen. I think I think that's a more realistic goal, but
1: hmm. yeah.
0: we'll see. All right, yeah. KB. That's the uh, the end of this one. We'll probably not meet again until uh, our usual pre NBA draft mock draft episode. So it'll probably be another month or two before uh, a new episode. Tell the good people where they can find you in the interim.
1: Yep, um, on Twitter at KBads, that's KBADDS, and you can find me every Thursday morning with TKO and out on the Hot Five Starter Podcast, and you can find out whatever you listen to podcasts at, and that's about it.
0: I'm Russell H. Film. Uh, I am Russell H. Film everywhere. Also, if you are a beer fan, I've got an Instagram, Russell H. Beer, you can follow, see all the beer I've been drinking. Uh, I've got a podcast, The Long Late Movie Show, which we're talking about movies. We had a new episode post- Today, I believe, talking about Ready Player One, talking about A Quiet Place. Uh, you know, so uh, we we'll, got some movies to talk about, and we'll be back again next week, uh week after, sort of going two a month at this point for the Long and Late Movie Show. But that's on Twitter uh, at LL Movie Show, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play. You can find this podcast, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Twitter.com, seconds the number two madness, seconds to madness.tumblr.com. Uh, please uh, I was overjoyed when I opened up my iTunes app recently and I saw 2.1 seconds to madness as one of like the first like 10 to 12 college basketball podcasts listed on the app if you search college basketball. Uh, that that filled my heart with joy obviously. Uh, you leaving iTunes reviews really helps that it helps the visibility it bumps us even further up the scale so if you're listening to this show uh, still enjoying the show please take a second even if you don't listen on itunes leave us a review on itunes five-star review just a quick sentence you know saying you like us it'll take you know a minute two minutes and it'll really really make our day uh we really really appreciate it uh we're also going to be coming up with some merch uh in the off season uh i have yet to design it but uh Oh, yeah, we're going to do a uh, This Is Merch shirt. We're definitely going to make that happen. I've told some people about that, and mm-hmm. uh, I have some people excited to buy a This Is Merch shirt. Uh, if you've got any ideas uh, or, you know, you're somebody who designs shirts and you like the show and you want to talk with us, uh, hey, you know, uh, we're interested in getting into the merch game. You know, let's uh, let's make some fun shirts for the uh, listeners. Uh, we really appreciate it. And, again, this, this year has been – tremendous in terms of our listener uh base our growth uh we're continuing to go up more listeners than ever um we really really appreciate everybody who listens everybody who who, uh, gets back at us uh if you comment on reddit uh if you send me a message on reddit every once in a while i get messages on reddit saying i listen to the show i love it you know those messages mean the world to me if you message on twitter if you just tweet even if you don't want to tweet at seconds to madness tweet tweet at kbad directly tweet at Russell H Film directly let us know you're enjoying the show um, we really, really appreciate it. It helps uh, keep us going. and helps keep us uh, inspired to do it for another year. Uh, yep. So uh, thank you, as always, to you, KB. And I'll, uh, I'll talk to you in, what, uh, a couple of months probably. Cool. All right. So for KBAD and for myself, Russell Hainline, this has been 2.1 Seconds to Madness. Nice. Good night. You
1: know my stage. You know Let them know. your things, <laughs> Keep it live. Keep it live. Keep it live.